0: Welcome back to the Love Came Down podcast. Well, we are super excited to be back in this new year, uh, releasing our second episode. And before we get started, we want to play uh, one of our favorite clips by Pastor Paul Washer. Count myself among the old men who look for Christ in every line of the Old Testament. If Christ be removed from the Old Testament, if everything there is not a picture of Him, then I am left with nothing but moral stories. The animal slain to cover the nakedness of our first parents, that was Christ. The ark that weathered the deluge, that was Christ. The ram caught in the thicket by its horns, that was Christ. The temple and its sacrifices, that was Christ. He is the seed of Abraham and one greater than Moses and Joshua. When I read of Samson ripping up the gates of that city and throwing them down, I see Christ ripping up the gates of hell and throwing them down like they were the tiniest feather on the smallest fowl.
1: That was a really powerful excerpt from Paul Washer, and he was discussing where Jesus was in the Old Testament, which is what we're going to talk about today. So why don't you add on to what Paul Washer was saying and kind of give us the theme of today's episode.
0: Yeah, so this is probably one of the most important issues for Christians to know about, and just to be able to answer and give a defense for is, you know, Where was Jesus in the Old Testament? Did he just suddenly appear uh, with the virgin birth? Um, And, you know, really, we want to think about this biblically. We want to show that, you know, the whole Old Testament anticipates Christ and points to Christ. And Christ is the fulfillment of everything that the Old Testament points to. And so, um, obviously, Paul Washer, you know, powerfully uh, stated that. But we want to kind of address that and just why it's so important today.
1: It is really important to see Christ in the Old Testament. As Paul Washer stated, without Christ, scriptures, it's just a bunch of moral stories. And so it's a foundational truth to who we are as believers. Uh, That being said, why don't you comment on the stigma surrounding the Old Testament? Because a lot of people don't like to read it. They shy away from it. They just prefer the New Testament. So let's address that.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Most people, the way that they view the Old Testament is that in the old testament god was a god of wrath but then with the new testament god becomes a god of love and mercy and so uh they don't like to read the old testament because it just seems like oh my gosh you know god's angry all the time and obviously this isn't biblical and it's really downright heretical to say that and um we also have to understand that you know jesus didn't just appear with his virgin birth um that would also be a heresy um Jesus has eternally existed as God, um, right at the Father's side for all eternity. And in the New Testament, we simply see him take on human flesh, which is what we just celebrated with Christmas. And so we have to understand that Jesus was there in the Old Testament. Um, He was anticipated um, right after Adam and Eve fell in the garden and sinned against God in the garden. God promised to, through the woman's seed, bring one who would crush the serpent's head. Well that's a direct prophecy of Christ and that's in Genesis chapter 3. And so right after the fall of Adam and Eve we see that humanity needs a messiah, we see that humanity needs a savior and the whole Old Testament is showing how God is bringing about that purpose and fulfilling that promise that he made to Adam and Eve, that he made to Adam, to Abraham, that he would bless all nations through him and so um we really have to see that you know although we can't say that every single verse in the old testament is about jesus we can say that the old testament is pointing to jesus and the old testament is ultimately fulfilled in jesus and without jesus the people of god in the old testament are left without no hope and so they are all anticipating a future messiah that god has promised them and so that's really the way we have to think about the Old Testament is that God never changes and His character has remained the same from the Old and New Covenants.
1: Yeah. One thing that the Old Testament does for me is that it makes me appreciate Christ that much more because you're constantly seeing this hope through the Messiah, through the prophecies, like in Isaiah, and you mentioned one in Genesis, like, you know, they're struggling as people do to you know stay righteous and stay holy and time and time again they fail and it's and it's just this endless cycle and then the messiah comes and we get to live you know through the spirit we get to live in the freedom of the gospel and it just the old T- testament paints it beautifully depicts it beautifully helps us to appreciate it in a much more real and authentic way had we not had it um So that's another thing to meditate and think about concerning the Old Testament. Jesus is not merely patterned in the Old Testament and pointed to in the Old Testament. He's actually present. So why don't you comment on his presence throughout the Old Testament?
0: Yeah, and that's something we often overlook um, as believers, is that Jesus was actually with the people of God in the Old Testament. And um, just a quick couple examples is uh, one Uh, When God reveals himself to Moses in the burning bush, he says that he is I am. And then in John chapter 8, Jesus says that he is I am. And so Jesus is basically saying, I am the one that appeared to Moses in the burning bush. Um, Also in Jude chapter 5, it says, Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, and then it goes on, but It says that Jesus saved a people out of the land of Egypt. So Jesus was the one who bought Israel out of Egypt and redeemed them um, from their slavery. And so time and time again in the New Testament, we see that Jesus was actually there in the Old Testament. He was present, like you said, not just pointed to, not just foreshadowed, but also present. And uh, it's important to remember that.
1: Yeah, another example to kind of piggyback off what you were saying is 1 Corinthians 10.4 states and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ and so you gave the example in Jude and the burning bush but this also re-emphasizes that because it talks about how Israel had the presence of Jesus with them in the wilderness that the rock that followed them it was providing for their needs it was giving them you know water and food and what a blessing and what a privilege for the people of Israel. And it's also a really cool connection because in the New Testament, Jesus says that he is the rock. He is a solid foundation. He's the cornerstone. And so there's all of these really cool connections between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And another one of my favorite examples of Jesus's presence in the Old Testament is found in Daniel chapter 3. And I'm actually going to say a quote before I talk about it. And it says, remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God didn't put out the fire. He put Jesus in there with them and they came out without smoke. It's not about God stopping all the things that look bad. It's about who is in there with you. Um So yeah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were men who loved the Lord. They stated in verse 18 and even if god doesn't deliver us he is still good which really shows their heart but they refused to bow down to the idol that king nebuchadnezzar had made and so they were thrown into a fiery furnace and there was a fourth figure present and we know that to be jesus and so it's cool because it shows like jesus literally being with us through our trials and through our tribulations but it also is a depiction of jesus saving us from God's wrath and and the condemnation. So I really, really, really like that example.
0: Yeah, that was really good. It's uh, really amazing just to think about how Jesus was actually present um, with the people of Israel in the Old Testament, just as He's present with us today, and that He never changes.
1: Yeah, it really is. Um, so so far, we've touched on the stigma surrounding the Old Testament, and we just talked about Jesus's presence. So let's dive into how Jesus fulfills, you know, these prophecies in the Old Testament, how he is the greater David, the greater Moses, the greater Abraham. So let's talk about our favorite example of him being the fulfillment.
0: Yeah, I'd love to. I I think um, one amazing prophecy of Jesus in the Old Testament comes from the book of Ezekiel. Um, in Ezekiel chapter 34, when... Um, There's a prophecy basically against the shepherds of Israel, and um, starting in verse 11, it says this. It says, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness." And I will bring them out from the peoples, and gather them from the countries, and will bring them into their own land. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. And so, when you read that, and then you flip over into the New Testament, into the Gospel of John, you see in John chapter 10 that Jesus calls himself the Good Shepherd. And he says that, My sheep follow me, and they know my voice. He says, I am the door of the sheep. If any if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And then he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so he's talking about how he's a good shepherd and how he's going to seek and save the lost sheep. And Ezekiel 34 is an exact prophecy of Christ doing just that. He's he's saying that Christ is going to come you know probably thousands of years before this he's saying that Christ is going to come and search out the lost sheep and save them and give them abundant life and and so we have to understand that you know the new testament Christ is the fulfillment of every prophecy and he's the fulfillment especially of that prophecy and i just think that's really beautiful to think of Christ as you know the ultimate shepherd who who saves us when we're lost mm.
1: I love thinking of Christ as my shepherd because sheep are dumb and (laughs) we definitely need a good shepherd and Jesus is that. So I love that. Um, Mine is found, my favorite example of Jesus being fulfillment, is found in Isaiah chapter one and it states, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And I love the imagery that you get here. Um, they are like scarlet, they are like as red as crimson, and I think of, my mind immediately goes to like trying to clean a sheet that is like really dirty or something that's white and it's dirty, and it's a really challenge, a big challenge, but here it's saying like you are going to be pure, white as snow, and it doesn't explicitly say how, um, but we know that it comes through Jesus, that Jesus took upon himself our stain of sin and God judged sin perfectly and completely through Jesus and we are now white as snow as Jesus or our shepherd is white as snow so I love that and I'm also going to well I love it because of how much hope you get from this of how much beauty and how much appreciation you get um for Jesus as our shepherd and there's this really good Spurgeon quote um and it says the Lord does not deny the truth of what the sinner has confessed. But he says to him, though your sins be as scarlet, I meet you on that ground. You need not to diminish the extent of your sin or seek to make it appear to be less than it really is. No, whatever you say it is, it is all that and probably far more. Your deepest sense of your sinfulness does not come up to the truth concerning your real condition. Certainly, you do not exaggerate it the least. Your sins are scarlet and crimson. It seems as though you have put on the imperial robe of sin and made yourself a monarch of the realm of evil. That is how a man's guilt appears before the searching eye of God. And so a long quote, but remarkably um, powerful. Um, Yeah, so I just thought it played in really well to what this uh, verse was saying and getting at as far as our of our sin and and the stains that it leaves on us.
0: Yeah, that's really good and really powerful. I liked how you were um, saying that, you know, in Isaiah chapter 1, we're not really given uh, how we can have our sins washed white as snow. I mean, he says that um, our sins that are like scarlet can be washed white as snow, but we're not really given how that can happen. And obviously, as believers today, we know the only way Um, that our sins can be washed away is through the blood of jesus i mean nothing but the blood of jesus could wash away our our sins and so uh, it's just really amazing to look back at the old testament you know that prophecy in isaiah and think about jesus is the one who brought that to fulfillment you know he's the one that uh enables us to be forgiven in the sight of god and so that's really powerful um now that we've kind of touched on that and um touched on Jesus' presence and how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament and kind of the stigmas around the Old Testament, we kind of just want to uh, wrap this up and just explain, you know, why this is so important and uh, what this really means for us as believers, how we can apply it to our lives, especially in the realm of apologetics and just being able to defend our faith. And so I think that one of the biggest ways that we can apply this to our own lives as believers is just understanding that everything we read in the Old Testament, we have to read in the lens of knowing that there's someone greater. And so I think one example of this is just, you know, so often we hear Old Testament stories about, um, you know, for example, David and Goliath, and what we do in that story is we kind of, make it about um, something that it's really not about, and so we kind of make David and Goliath about defeating our giants in life, and, you know, if we have enough faith, God will help us to um, defeat our giants, and really, that's not the point of the story, and we just have to understand that, you know, ultimately, David and Goliath, David is the king of Israel, but Jesus is the King of Kings. David defeated Goliath, but Jesus defeated sin and death. And so really, in that David and Goliath story, we're not David. We're more like the cowardly Israelites that are hiding away from Goliath. And so when we see Goliath, Goliath in that story is really representing something so much bigger, a bigger enemy. and um, you know David steps up on behalf of his people and he boldly defeats Goliath with one shot well when we look to Christ that sounds a lot like Christ you know David or Jesus stands up you know and he looks death and he looks satan and he looks sin straight in the eyes and with one shot he defeats it all you know on behalf of us who believe and so we have to be able to read stories like that in the old testament and We have to be able to read the whole Old Testament, understanding that um, even the victories of the Old Testament, you know, David went on to commit murder and adultery, and so we know that he's not the Messiah, and so God promised a Messiah, but every single man and woman that we see in the Old Testament ends up being a screw-up and ends up being a failure, and so we're left at the end of the old testament saying where's the messiah and you know ultimately jesus is that messiah and we we know that but we have to be able to just read scripture in that kind of lens and just as believers be able to see that you know the whole old testament is left empty without jesus arriving in the new testament and so uh that's that's the way it can help us as believers and um I think in terms of apologetics and just how we can use it to um, help unbelievers and just as we try to reach out to unbelievers, we really have to um, show unbelievers that the Bible is inspired and that the Bible is the Word of God. And one amazing proof of the Bible being inspired and being the Word of God is that the Bible proves itself. And so there's thousands of prophecies in the Bible that were fulfilled in Jesus, that have been fulfilled in Jesus. And that simply happens in no other book in history. And so this is one of the greatest um, evidences that the Bible is true and that the Bible is the very Word of God and that God inspired these men to um, write Scripture. And so we really have to show unbelievers that. And also just show them that Jesus is um, the greatest Savior and the greatest man to ever walk this earth. And he's their only hope, you know, and he's the only one that could fulfill all of these prophecies. He's the only one that could crush the serpent's head. He's the only one that could defeat sin and death. And so um, just really, really great to be able to know that, especially um, when we're trying to defend the gospel and, Um, show an unbeliever that the gospel is true.
1: Luke Ellis just brought a word. Can I get an amen? Because that was really good and it gave me chills. So, as far as apologetics is concerned with Jesus in the Old Testament, if you look at all other religions, like if you take Muhammad out of the Muslim religion or if you take Buddha out of Buddhism, you still get something that makes sense and the essence of the religion is still there and you still have like your good moral teachings and all that stuff with christianity if you take christ out of christianity it doesn't make sense like you'll have a few good moral teachings but like the essence of the religion is is gone It it's just not there because jesus is the essence of christianity like he came down in human form took on our sin you know bore the weight of the wrath of God on the cross, so that we could have a way to be righteous, and we could have a way, you know, he bridged the gap, so to speak, so that we could get into heaven, and live with our Father, and live with our Creator, and so that's a really profound thing to think about, um, and it's a good it's a good point, too, for defending the faith, um, yeah, and so that is the end of our second podcast, and we just wanted to say Thank you times a million to everybody that's listened, and we've had such kind words from everybody, and so we just really, really appreciate that, and we love you all.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to uh, say thanks, too, and just uh, for all the support, and just uh, pray us out here at the end. Um, God, thank you so much for this podcast. Thank you for anybody who's listening. I pray that uh, believers that are listening would be encouraged, that they would see the glory and the beauty And just the weight that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, that he's always been there and that he has never changed and he never will. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you would use this information to just glorify your name. And um, I pray that as believers, we would be encouraged to give a reason uh, for the hope that we have within us with gentleness and respect and that we would um, share the gospel and that we would show why the gospel is true and that we would just... um, show unbelievers that Jesus is their only hope, and I pray that they would come to know that, and we just pray all this in your holy and precious name, Jesus. Amen.
1: Amen. Yay!